Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to another episode of AVFC Extra. I'm James Rushton. Today I'm joined by Josh Williams to speak about uh, the impending signing of Leon Bailey. Hopefully it's a deal that Aston Villa can get done because if they can get it done, they're going to get a very valuable asset to the squad. He's a really exciting forward for Bayer Leverkusen. Um, some people may not know much about him, which is why we've done the episode. Josh has looked over some footage in the past. He's watched a player. He's jumped into some stats to tell us why he'd be such an exciting addition to Aston Villa's squad. I was grinning from ear to ear throughout the whole episode as we spoke about, you know, your Ross Barkley, your Morgan Sansa, even your Amy Buendia, and the, the kind of high-profile signings Aston Villa have made over the, the course of the last year, including last summer. I know he was a fantastic, uh, fantastic conversation. And Joshua, of course, brought all his expertise to the uh, to the discussion over Leon Bailey. And you, you'll be like me at the end of the episode. You'll be like thinking, can't wait for uh, Aston Villa to get the deal done. So fingers crossed. Hopefully it's a deal they can get done because it'll be another headline signing for Aston Villa in a very exciting summer. So fingers crossed and enjoy the episode. You are listening to AVFC Extra, a no-nonsense look at the club we all love. Brought to you by the Claret and Blue podcast. On your scale, has Villa been the, one of the busier teams that you've had to cover? How's that went for you? Yeah, well, you know, as I said, it's it's been a really quiet window at the minute. Other than Villa and Manchester United, I don't think anybody really has signed more than one player. Obviously, you've got Crystal Palace, maybe, but we don't really like too much about Palace. So mm. it's nice to see Villa kind of pushing pushing the division in the direction of a uh, lots of lots of deals, lots of stuff to write about, but. Other than that, I think it's going to be a bit of a late one for most clubs. I think a lot of deals will happen really late in the window. Um, everyone at the moment is just kind of monitoring situations, really. I think that seems to be the buzzword at the minute. Yeah, I use that buzzword now because one of the situations that we all need to be monitoring, especially Villa fans, is uh, that of Leon Bailey, who's emerged as a, a legit transfer link uh, to Aston Villa, which is, for me, a Villa fan incredibly exciting. But how do you feel on that? What's your general thought on, on the link before we start? Well, I think a few times, probably more than any other club, maybe in the past. Well, since since the achieved promotion, really, Villa seems to get linked with players, and I'm a bit, I'm surprised a lot of the time. Not not because um, the the bad moves or anything, but just because they they always seem to be really positive moves for a start, but moves that are quite like um, where you're putting your weight a little bit and you're acting like. As the historic club that Villa actually have, you know what I mean. So you know, contesting with Arsenal, for example, for 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 Wendy and eventually getting them, um, making Arsenal think twice about Emil Smith Rowe, um, Morgan Sanson as well. I spoke spoke about him a few months back. He was a player who was um, was getting linked with with really really decent clubs and stuff, and um, to see now Leon Bailey getting linked, who is a player that. You know, I've been linked with Liverpool. I'm a Liverpool fan. He's been linked with Liverpool, I think, in the past few years. And Villa seem really intent. Another one as well. Well, Plouch was in there. So, you know, he's the captain of, of Southampton. So Villa seem really intent on climbing the table, basically, 
and not messing about in, in how they do that and not being afraid to step on on the toes of certain clubs. So it's it certainly took me attention. I think out of all the teams in the Premier League, Villa are certainly up there in terms of um, m- making waves maybe in the transfer window. For, for 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 quite a while now. It's a lovely little buzzword now for us to use, making ways in the transfer window. <laughs> Again, it's like you can't. Uh, it's weird because when yourself and David have come on and we spoke about players, it's always like there's a really high level of excitement about what Villa are doing, and it seems as a Villa fan incredibly strange that there's this level of excitement about what the club are doing. Um, but before we get carried away, I want to know a bit more about Liam Bailey. What's been happening with him recently? Because Look, I think when he made the move from Belgium to Germany, he was on a lot of people's radar instantly. He's kind of one of those who's succeeded at a re- relatively high level, but at the same time, there's not been a, a big splash about him until kind of bang right now when uh, he's, he's suddenly, for some reason, available. So how, how has he been doing recently? Well, I think the, the, the catchphrase based onto the scene is maybe used a bit too much in football. But I think with him... It probably was the case, you know, as a, as a 19-year-old in Germany, Bundesliga, you know, he scored nine goals and assisted six. Now, if you're doing that as a 19-year-old, you, you're taking the attention of a few teams. Yeah, he played over 2,000 minutes when he did that, That you know, equating to about about 25 full 90s. So that's a decent season to have as a teenager, you know, not long after joining from, from Genk. Um and then after that, 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 that kind of sets the expectation then. But the following season and the season after that, he performed okay and stuff, but he maybe didn't live up to those expectations. In both of those seasons, he scored five goals. In one of them, he assisted one. And in the other, he assisted three. So, little bit of a drop, but not in major. And I suppose similarly similar performance levels to what you'd maybe expect for for a kid who's kind of coming coming up, you know, trying to fulfil his potential and stuff. But last season, he 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 then moved back to I suppose what you what we expected from him based on his first season. Um, age twenty two, he scored nine again, but assisted eight this time. So he I suppose he bettered his best season so far in Germany in the season that's just finished. Started 25 times in the Bundesliga and um, just seemed to kind of get get back on on track with where people thought he was going because he was he was going, you know, he, he was looking like he had bags of potential and stuff and he was he, he was getting touted for big moves, as I said, to the likes of Liverpool and Spurs, I think, maybe, and, and clubs like that. So... He's kind of got back on track recently. I'm not really sure why he's available. I'm not sure if he is available, but I think it's just a case of most clubs in Europe kind of struggling a little bit when it comes to funds and stuff and the Premier League generally doing quite well in that department. Offhand, I think uh, Leverkusen have got a, f- a fair few attacking players, you know, a bit of a wealth of attackers up there. You know, they've got Moussa Diaby and, and players like that, although he sold Havertz fairly recently, didn't he? But I think when it comes to Bailey... Um, I think it's just a decent place that they're willing to accept, um, which I'm sure we'll get to. Yeah, I think uh, to kind of get the excitement going then, where would he fit in for Aston Villa? Like, What position do you immediately see? You know, fingers crossed, Grealish, Wendia, Bailey. Where, what's happening with that? Well, a lot of that would depend on Grealish because um, obviously you've signed Wendia already. For me, Wendia plays on the right. 
and then Grealish usually plays on the left. So Bailey has to play on a flank. He, he can't. He, he doesn't play through the middle. Very, very rarely plays through the middle, at least. So you, you're signing Bailey to play on the left or the right, in my opinion. So if you're keeping Grealish, which I'm sure many of the listeners will hope is the case, in my opinion, that pushes Grealish in as a number ten. If you if you're maybe using a four two three one shape or something like that, um, he's played about eight thousand minutes in the Bundesliga. Uh, Bailey, more than half of that time was spent on the left as a winger because he's a left-footed player. So he's played as a winger most of the time, um, and then about thirty-five percent of the of the minutes have been spent on the right. So as I said, he's very much a flanks player. Um, some minutes as a centre forward, but not enough to even worth mentioning. Some minutes as a as a ten and stuff, but again, not worth mentioning. So I can see him as as a a left sided forward or a right sided forward for, for Villa. Um, and I've just mentioned there that he's left footed. He is very two footed, so it, that's that's why he's capable on both flanks. So according to Statsbomb, um, which I use fairly fairly regularly. He's left-footed, but only 78%, which is, you know, that's quite good. Um, obviously, when it comes to using your preferred foot and stuff, if it's 50%, that means you use your left foot and your right foot, fight right foot completely equally. So he's 78%. Most players would probably be able in the 90s for their preferred foot. So he's quite two-footed, hence his ability to play on both flanks. But he has to play there for me, which, which does pose the question. You know, where, where does Grealish then play? Is, does Smith have a vision that Grealish will then become the team's number ten, or is he gonna is he gonna move? <laughs> you know, I'm sure you're, you're not gonna want to hear me say that, but it's it's it has to be a question. I think the the question about him moving, um, it obviously hurts as a Villa fan. I think Villa listeners are sick of kind of talking or listening or hearing anything about it. But um, for me, if you're signing people like Buendia, to a lesser extent Ashley Young as well as a Leon Bailey, if a Grealish is to leave, that, for me, it, it doesn't replace him, but it certainly, like, dampens the blow. You know, I don't know how what you, what you think of that, because Grealish, of course, stands alone in terms of his output. Yeah. But if you get a Buendia, Leon Bailey, and again, you've got your, your rotation options and hopefully some improvement from it within the squad, you know, can... Would Leon Bailey then help Aston Villa without Grealish? The, the bottom line is you, you can't buy a like-for-like replacement of Jack Grealish. You know, it's not going to happen. There might be some players out there that can do it, but those players are probably not attainable and they probably already play for the world's best clubs and stuff. So yeah. from a Villa perspective, if they are if they are losing Grealish, you, you cannot replace him with one player. You have to replace roughly what he offers on the pitch um, across different players and you know as a Liverpool fan we kind of had this with um, Coutinho you know Coutinho left massive fee and rather than buying a Coutinho replacement Liverpool put the money towards basically making the team better Um, Salah came in albeit just before Coutinho was sold and then obviously a lot of the money went towards Van Dijk and Alisson and Liverpool became a better team as a result of that Um. And when it comes to Villa, looking at Buendia, I think Buendia offers much of what Grealish does when it comes to, you know, getting you in the penalty box, getting you into valuable areas, providing a final pass, um, creation, 
you know, that sort of stuff. Bailey would certainly offer a presence on the flanks. He'd offer a bit of the gravity that Grealish has when it comes to attracting players and stuff. He'd obviously offer goals and assists, which which you'd be losing without Grealish. Um, so, again, I don't really want to go too deeply into it because I'm sure Villa fans won't want to hear it. But I do think that if you're going to replace Grealish, this is probably how you do it. You probably sum up what he offers and then go and find those qualities in, in different players. Out of interest, though, but do you think this will happen? Like, what 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 is the actual belief in the Villa camp? I don't think so. I think uh, the line from our reporter Ash Priest is, you know, pretty confident on on there being a new deal offered and uh, him staying. But again, anything can happen. You know, it's it comes down to his decision, doesn't it? Like, there's no no other camps is there. So it's up to Jack Grealish. So if he wakes up one day and goes right, I move to Man City. Hopefully, that's something he'll end up regretting. But you know, it's his decision, isn't it? You know. If he, if he wakes up and goes on a whim that he wants to move, then it happens. If he doesn't, it doesn't. So I'm really interested because it's it's a weird one in the sense that people go, right, Jack Grealish stay for another season and get us into Europe. But then he would be kind of like a Europa League player when he's a Champions League player. So I'd just stay in, in that sense. What does it achieve? But also the ambition. Can you win something with Aston Villa, win something big with Aston Villa? Because that will mean more than winning something with Man City. I guess, but the, there's a lot of confidence about him staying, Josh, which is uh, it's really nice because, you know, 10 years ago we were selling your Ashley Young and selling your James Milner and your Stuart Downing, you know, probably undervalue in some circumstances. So it's nice to know that we've got the, the Doshi's worth if he goes, but if he stays, we've got that invaluable player. So it's like a lopsided win-win, weirdly. Yeah, and but what I will say as well is, Maybe if if something can happen there, where whereby he maybe stays for one more year and then leaves or something like that, this would be the best way to tackle that eventuality by basically getting the new players in now to play alongside them before then he then leaves and then maybe the um, his absence is felt a little bit less. Again, going back to my Liverpool example, that's what Liverpool did with Coutinho. He got Salah in six months before Coutinho left. They played together for a short while. And then when Coutinho departs, it's just less felt. So I think if in any way, if, if it's going to happen, which I'm not sure it will, but if it, if it is going to happen, if Villa can delay it anyway, you know, and, and, and kind of integrate by integrate Bailey, integrate um, Buendia first, I do think it'll be it'll be less felt further down the line. But, you know, I... Obviously, I personally hope he stays at Villa. Villa. I don't. I do not want to see him at Manchester City for for obvious reasons. Love to see him at Liverpool, wouldn't you? I mean, if it's a shoe on Liverpool, you'd be like right in there. But um, no, fair enough. I think I think we've pulled it out. If pulling it off as well, if you pull it off and then Villa then grow and there's there's substantial growth that he sees. It's almost like he might be further convinced then to go right. This is actually a legit project to get behind rather than you know kind of jumping ship now when we're at this crossroads where we can hopefully step up but you know probably a little bit of doubt that we can in uh in some circles but we'll see um i wanted to talk about the uh fee for uh, leon bailey because i know these football fees f- to a certain extent are a monopoly money they don't really make much sense through our perspective but it's been rumored that it's about 25 to f- in between 25 to 35 million to take leon bailey from uh, leverkusen which to me it's it seems like good value in essence i mean at the higher end of that, Villa are pushing, breaking their transfer record again. Um, but for a player like Leon Bailey, is that worth doing? Yeah, I think it's a fair place, and I think it's a good place for for maybe both clubs 
you know, I think when when Leverkusen signed Bailey, I think it was around it was around twelve million maybe. So if they were to sell him at around that price, they're getting at least double what they paid for him. And then from a Villa perspective, Villa are getting a player who is technically yet to enter his peak, still age twenty three, and uh, he's he's got lots to offer. Basically, you know, he, yeah. he can spend his peak years at Villa, and he's very very good player. Um, certainly going to contribute to Villa on the attack side of the game and stuff. Very very few downsides to to the transfer overall. Looking at it, really, and um, I think looking at the value of it around thirty million, given his age and stuff, I, I, I fair amount would have to go wrong, I think, for him to not be worth that. You know, if you if you look, say for example, Ollie Watkins who signed last season, was that twenty five million? Twenty eight thirty, because we, we, that was the record breaker as well. It was, you know, Wesley slash Mings broke it, um, then. Watkins then Buendia, so this would be another break. Well, in terms of Watkins, despite the figure, you know, he, he played virtually every single game last season and he probably will again next season. So you're getting a lot of value out of that player. And when it comes to, to Bailey, it's probably going to be similar. So I, I can't see many many concerns attached to that to that price tag at all. I don't think there's much risk attached to it unless he was I suppose you could maybe flag those two quiet seasons that he's had that that I mentioned before. But then the season just finished. He seemed, as I said, back on track. So yeah, for, for that price I think you I think he's worth that, personally. Is there a player that he kind of looks like he might replace at Villa? I know we, we said he'll he'll play in a certain position, but is there anyone at Villa and you go right He's just bang up upgrade for him straight away. There's players I'd compare him with stylistically who I think he's like, but not at Villa. So I think at Villa, if he was to, you know, oust anyone from a starting position, I would say it would probably be Traore. I think he could be deemed as a a bit of a better, maybe more well-rounded version of Traore. He's more two-footed, more versatile, can play on both flanks. Traore, I think, prefers the right. Um, and he's younger as well. So I think Traore is a good player, but I think if given the aspirations that Villa seem to have, I think Traore is more of a player who will play a little bit more of a second fiddle role, maybe, and will will do a job. Don't get me wrong, and we'll get plenty of minutes. But in terms of starting every week, I think Villa can aim a little bit higher than that. And I think Bailey, although he's different to Traore in some areas, I do think you'd probably rather have Bailey on the pitch. Than, than Traore. I mean, Traore made a, an impact last season, but if you're looking to take that next step, you have to look at the little things you can kind of upgrade as well. And if it's Traore scores eight goals, but you can get 10 out of Bailey, clear upgrade, isn't it? Um, that kind of answers the next question, though. I was going to ask you, could he make an, an impact in the Premier League straight away? But I think we both kind of know the answer to that. But you, did you have anything to say on that matter? He's in that age range that Villa seems to be targeting at the minute. And it's a, it's... The age range I would target if I was in charge of like Villa's recruitment or whatever, because he's young enough to keep going, keep growing, improve, but he's old enough to deliver now. So that that's kind of the age range you want if you're running a club like Villa, Everton, Leicester. You know, if you look at Leicester's business, for example, recently this signing the likes of Patson Dacher and players like that, and um, the lad Sumare from from Lille. They're in the similar age ranges, so those clubs that are wishing to 
kind of break the European slots in the in the Premier League. I think those are the age ranges that you want. You want the players you can deliver now, but will also improve, and you can potentially cash in on in a few years if someone's willing to play silly money. So he, he fits that bill, and I think Villa seems to be to be chasing that lately, which which in my opinion um, indicates. A good recruitment process. Can't argue with that. Uh, a good recruitment pr- uh, process in Villa. I feel like are words that just don't go together based on my experience with them. <laughs> I mean, the the, the th- I think the one I highlight is um, the relegation season. All the players we bought are fantastic, but we went down. So I think uh, I've always been a bit wary. And then the year after, when we bought three players in the same position, for, I think a total of uh, 50, forty-five million, maybe on a. Fox's name, Hogan, Codger and McCormack. So, yeah, uh, it's good to see that kind of uh, banish now, mate. But um, I was going to ask well, you what his biggest strength... Sorry, carry on. I was going to say the thing is, clubs are still doing that, though. Clubs, <laughs> clubs are still finding the feet. You know, it wasn't so long ago that Everton went and signed Davy Klassen, Gilfie Sigurdsson and Wayne Rooney in the same summer. Um, and obviously, they're still kind of paying for it now. So, any any club that's... I, I am a firm believer that you're only as good as your players. I think managers... Obviously, um, coaches obviously make differences and stuff like that. But the, the bottom line is the game is for the players. The players execute. Dean Smith can't put the ball on the back of the net at the end of the day. So the better your players are, the higher you will climb. And, you know, it's no coincidence, say, for example, the likes of Arsenal. Their recruitment has clearly fell off in the past few years. And they finished eighth, I think, two seasons from. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if Villa do a bit of a leapfrog this summer, uh, this season, unless unless things change between now and the start of the campaign. It just seemed uh, seem a bit funny there. And you brought up Arsenal, and I think the point that feels like you shouldn't say it like an unspoken thing in the transfer market, seems like Villa just specifically targeted like Arsenal. And it's not like base your plans off of what they're doing, but you know, going for Emil Smith-Rowe because Leon Bailey comes after Emil Smith-Rowe, getting Buendia, who is like number one target for Arsenal for probably a year and a half. It seems uh, specifically like they've looked to pull the rug out from under Arsenal, who, uh, you know, recruitment-wise seems to be in a decline, like you said. This is kind of the thing, really. and I, I liked to see it, you know, when, when Villa were, were questioning Arsenal about, you know, they went in there and kind of blew them out the walls a little bit when it comes to Buendia and then Emil Smith-Rowe, that actually, you know, that's a, that's a big, that's a big boy move that one to, to go to go to Arsenal and I mean he's he's just been given their number ten. So for Villa to go to Arsenal and say, you know, you're number ten, you haven't given them a new contract, we'll we'll take him off your hands and Arsenal have to reject two or three bids or whatever it was. That's that's putting your weight about and in my opinion, certain clubs can put the weight about. Some of them don't. Some of them just for whatever reason accept their place in the table, sort of thing. But I think Villa, given the history of the club and stuff, Villa seems to be starting to do that. And um, it's going to result in some some interesting transfer moves. I think trying my hardest not to like smile from ear to ear and like just crack them with my cheeks. <laughs> uh, I honestly, it's uh, you know it's exciting that all the links. I think what people love is the links because it shows you kind of where you are in the pecking order. I feel. I mean, you know, you're still getting you, but almost radical moves like um, Christopher Asia to to Brentford after being linked to Leicester last season, which highlights what clubs can do if they put themselves about. But Villa being linked, as you said, to Arsenal's number, the guy they've just given the keys to the kingdom to, and, you know, a very legit transfer interest there that resulted in tangible bids being made. It's uh, it's absolutely fascinating. I guess for you as a neutral as well to kind of be, I mean, you do 
you and you and Dave love Villa when you come on here, so I wouldn't say neutral anymore. But you know, it must be really interesting to kind of sit on the sidelines and see this all happening. Yeah, it, it is a food chain at the end of the day. I, I refer to it quite often as a food chain, and sometimes the you know the order of the food chain can get disrupted a little bit. And as a neutral, sometimes it's interesting to see which clubs are quite clearly interested in disrupting that food chain. Leicester have clearly done it in the past few seasons. Arsenal are going the opposite way. Everton have had intentions to do it for years and they've had the money to do it for years, but without the know-how, basically, on the football side when it comes to recruitment and stuff. But when when you start seeing a club wanting to start climbing, going about it the right way by making making the right moves, it, it is really interesting to see. I do like to see it. I've, even as a Liverpool fan, I, I've wanted Everton to start doing it for years just to see how high they can climb, really. You know, Spurs did it under Pochettino uh, a few seasons back. I don't know where they've got a front line of Christian Eriksen, who they signed for like 11 million. Deli Ali, who they signed for 5 million. Harry Kane up front, who came through the academy and stuff. Alderweireld, centre-back, who did just post off Southampton, who had an ex- had a successful loan in the league, I think. Um, Kyle Walker, who, who just came through, I think, maybe from Sheffield United or something like that. And Danny Rose, who came through the academy and stuff. He, just start to make your players, start to make your squad better. You're as good as your players, in my opinion. And um, once you start making, once you start recognising that and behaving like that in the transfer market and dedicating everything to recruitment, that's the most important thing at a football club, your recruitment. You start to climb. Bailey would be a big cornerstone of, of this recruitment. It'd be probably the, the signing of the summer, even over Wendy, if they, they pull it off. But I wanted to know what his, uh, his biggest strength was and if he had a weakness at all that stands out. Keeping it simple, I'd say his biggest strength is probably his speed. Um, he's got enough pace about him. He's explosive enough, enough off the mark to, to pose a threat in behind, which is something that Villa didn't really have last season. I actually checked just before it came on. And uh, in the Premier League last season, so through balls completed. And a through ball is defined as a completed pass sent between back defenders into open space. Villa 19th, um, with only 18 for the season. The only team that completed fewer through balls were Crystal Palace. So one of the reasons you could put that down to because I'm sure they've got the players to do it. Certainly Grealish, I, I'm sure, would love to find some players running in behind. But they haven't really, Villa haven't really had that. You know, when you look at Watkins, maybe he could do it. But Grealish is going to do it. He's not really that type of player. I think Barkley was a bit more comes to feet as well. Traore did it a little bit, I think. But when it comes to, to Bailey, he's more inclined to do that. He's more inclined to threaten in behind and offer a bit of what Villa didn't have last season. So... Keeping it simple, I would I would look at his pace really as a as a, a major strength that Villa maybe don't really have in in the forward line and alongside that uh, you can't really look past his ability to to merge scoring and creating. You know, at the same time, some players are scorers, some players are creators. Bailey certainly based on last season, you know, he scored a nine and assist an eight. Seems to get a, a fairly decent blend of the two there. We kind of spoke about Jack Grealish. And how you you know you can't replace him because he's unique. But is there anything that makes Leon Bailey a unique player, or is he still kind of developing into what could be a unique player? Well, I suppose it depends on the definition of unique, really. But I don't think there's and that maybe makes him fully unique standalone. But 
you could say that for virtually every player out there. What I do think is fairly rare about his skill set is he's kind of got a really versatile and adaptable profile, basically. A versatile and adaptable threat. So the fact that he's really comfortable on both flanks is very valuable. And in addition to that, really comfortable both feet. And in addition to that, really comfortable scoring or assisting. You know, those are... It's really helpful when a player is not fixed to one specific condition to thrive. You know, he, he's got enough about him. He's, he's adaptable enough, flexible enough, whatever you want to call it, to benefit Villa in, in different areas. And I think if I was to compare him to a player, and I want to throw in a caveat now that, you know, he's maybe not going to be as good as this player, but in terms of skill set, he reminds me a little bit of Sadio Mane actually because Mane can play on both flanks he's very adaptable he is two-footed he can score, he can assist he can threaten in behind strong but that kind of you know, say for example, I'm trying to think of some players who are maybe a bit more limited, say for example Salah you know, I'm, I'm using Liverpool too much I think here but Salah needs the right really and he needs to be able to cut inside onto his left and score sort of thing Bailey is much more of a versatile and adaptable threat and I think that's quite a rare quality in an attacker one that's very valuable as well Sancho is another player who who's like that you know he can play both flanks quite comfortably his, his production doesn't suffer regardless of what flank he's playing and um, it's quite a modern trait I think but one that one that Bailey seems to have I mean uh, listing out those players as well if it can be anything like them uh, Villa will be onto <laughs> something really good if they can get the deal done but does anything kind of stand out in the numbers any kind of advanced metrics that like definely on Bailey or is there anything that you can highlight yeah I had a little I had a little look and he's a first of all I think he's a very keen dribbler so in the Bundesliga last season only three players completed more dribbles than him that was, um, I think it's Amin Harrod at Schalke and Jaden Sancho. Okay. Uh, what? Bailey completed, I think it was, uh, Bailey completed, I think it was 87. And he also, usually the players who are good dribblers are also good carriers of the ball. So in terms of carries, he ranked seventh in the, in the Bundesliga for carries into the penalty box. And that is actually an area that Grealish ranked top of Europe for that one carries into the box and he ranked top of Europe by some distance as well one of the best players around when it comes to just gradually carrying the ball into the valuable areas of the field and stuff so again it comes back to that thing are Villa trying to replace what they might lose by by, by getting a player like like Bailey even if even if not it's it's a valuable quality to have isn't it so you know the fact that he can get you into the penalty box is a nice thing and then again going back to that um Merging scoring and assistant type thing. He ranked 13th in the Bundesliga for just general goals plus assists, minus penalties, per 90. So, one of the most active attackers really in the league. You could probably say when it comes to scoring and assisting, once removing penalties from, from proceedings. So, he's just got lots of attacking qualities that you that, that are clearly very nice to have buzzing after the after this um but i was after the ross barkey one i mean it wasn't like that bad but i guess from the expectation to the reality the, the drop off was pretty high so i'm hoping that doesn't occur with this one the curse of the uh the abfc extra but i wanted to know 
what's your prediction projection for his time at Aston Villa if he's to arrive? Um, and it's the best case scenario. Say he arrives, Grealish stays, he remains fit for the entire season. What happens? Do you think? I can't see it going wrong. I really can't. I can't. I can't see him having any any bad period and like that. I think he will will benefit from the surroundings of Villa. I think he'll like getting overlapped. I think he can he can clearly play both flanks. Villa have two overlapping fullbacks on both sides. If Grealish stays, he, Grealish is attracting a lot of attention, which then should present Bailey with the space to engage in one v ones and stuff, which he's clearly very good at, given the, the dribbling numbers that I've just mentioned. Still only twenty three. Um, quick, gonna offer what Villa haven't previously had in behind when it comes to maybe getting on the end of three balls and stuff. It just looks like another good sign to me. I don't, I don't really want to overthink it, and at the same time, I don't want to overplay it too much because it's football at the end of the day. It's a difficult thing yeah. to predict, but he, it just looks like another, another sensible sign. And I think although Villa would would have spent, you know, around sixty million on Buendia and, and Bailey there. I, I can't really see a scenario where both players struggle or, you know, and like that. I think they're both fairly, not guaranteed, but the, you can have a lot of confidence there in that, that, that both players will, will deliver and contribute. You know, I was sitting here the whole time and I've been talking Grealish and uh, Bailey and I forgot, oh, we just bought Buendia and that would have been a good enough summer almost on, on his <laughs> own. So, yeah, uh, really exciting. Josh, um Thank you very much for coming on. Where can people uh, find you uh, if they need to talk totally on Baylor? Yeah, so um, on Twitter at Distance Covered. So um, you know, I'm sure I'll be tweeting about Aston Villa in the near future and stuff. I write the odd piece for Aston Villa for the Birmingham Mail and stuff. So yeah, if you want to get me content, it's at Distance Covered on Twitter. It's probably the best place. Perfect. Thank you uh, for coming on, and thank you everyone for listening. Catch you soon. Thank you for listening to AVFC Extra, an additional dose of Aston Villa content for you, brought to you by the Claret and Blue podcast team. If you enjoyed the episode, please do get in touch with us, get involved in the comment sections, tweet us at Claret Blue Pod, or leave us a review on iTunes. We really do appreciate it. We'll catch you again very soon with some more content. Until then, up the villa. Up the villa.